Well, yeah, I've got some tech. Can you hear me now? Oh, see? Operator error. All right. So um, anyway, I just want to make sure you guys know, you know, kind of where we stand. And I believe I speak for the church when I say that we, we truly want to represent the Word of God. We want you to know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. And we want you to understand that it's a, it's a walk that is a daily commitment. It isn't a Sunday morning moment. It is a daily commitment, both to you, to him, and him to you. So I, I guess we start with the obvious. I want to say happy Father's Day to everybody, everybody tuning in who's a, who's a dad or a stand-in dad or, or who does what they can to be a dad. I just want to say happy Father's Day to you. And I want to encourage everybody today. I was reading something last night where it said that uh, uh, collect telephone calls and, and calls from foreign countries coming in country or whatever go up like 87% today because you call dad and make him pay for it. So... Uh, <laughs> So I, I just wanted to say today, look, if, if you have the capacity to talk to your dad, do it. If you have the capacity to have a conversation, do it. If, you, if there's something there that's preventing you from doing that, then pray for your dad today. Spend a minute or two and honor your dad today. Because what I'm going to talk to you about today is your heavenly father. Okay, We're going to talk about our earthly fathers, but we're also going to talk about our heavenly father. And sometimes that relationship that we have between our earthly dad, we kind of transpose onto our heavenly father. We assume that some of the things that go on here go on there. And, and it doesn't. Some do, some don't. But it, it's a complicated connection that we make with the word father. But as I think of, of dads... And for me as a girl, okay, and I see all the guys starting to chuckle, is the garage, okay? Now, now I'm, not, my, I'm not saying this is the way the garage looked, but as a child, I can remember going in my, my grandfather's shed or barn in North Carolina and it having this kind of look. His drawers weren't all open and stuff, but, but it had this look of all these piles of things. And then later, as I got older, going in my dad's two-story garage, there were organized piles of things that were, that were all over the place, jars of stuff. All right, guys, am I speaking your language? Because I'm going to try to, to speak to you today, and, and the ladies, we're just going to try to stay up with it because half this stuff, I don't know what it is, and that's where I'm going, okay? So I could look at it and go, cool jar, as a kid. And Daddy would say, no, 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 that's a three-quarter inch whatever bolt that went on to this and to that and the other thing, and i got to have that for the grass cutter. He knew exactly what it was for. He knew exactly what its purpose was. Or I'd go to, to play with something and pick out something. i said, say, what is this? Oh, that goes on a 65 Chevrolet. That's the brake gear thingamajig that did the... And I have no idea. At some point in the middle of the explanation... I guess it's just because I am a girl. It went from it's a 65 to wah, 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 wah. Okay? It definitely had that peanuts moment because there was a passionate description about whatever it was. And I see it happens early with guys. My son can passionately describe a transmission in a way that I cannot possibly understand. But he can tell me every gear, every shift, every knob, every nodule. And it's important that I know. And in the back of my mind, honey, and I've told him this many times, what do girls care about? The car runs, it's clean, and it's paid for. <laughs> so those are, those are our priorities, right? Well, I want to talk to you today about some things that kind of get passed down to us along the way about knowing the right tool for the job. And I want to 
the scripture today, one of them, there are many, but the one we'll focus on is from our Heavenly Father basically telling us, my child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Now, when we have things that are important, it may not look like it's important to someone else. But when we've used it or needed it, or we haven't had it and had to find it, its importance grows to us. And so when I, I look in this cluster of stuff, everything in there was important. Everything had a purpose. Everything had a reason for being there or could remember why it happened in that way. Now, as a girl, I look at it and I say, okay, everything is there and I, I see the stuff on the bench, but at what point did the project stop? Because it looks like time froze and they went on to the next thing. But it says in, in the scripture when it talks about knowing and not forgetting the things you're taught and storing them in your heart, it's, it's not as though it ends up in a, a cluster of chaos as much as it is in here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt, here is what I've been through, here is the tool that I needed, here is how God helped me, here is how God blessed me. Now I've stored that little nugget right here. I don't have to go find the jar it's in, I don't need to wipe the cobwebs away. That's kind of the point of a daily relationship with God, is it's easily accessible. And then when you run into someone else who's had something where they're fixing something in their own life that's maybe a little different, it may not be the bubble on the top, but it's in the list. And you say, oh, just like this morning I was talking to somebody, I said, oh, I remember. And that was 20 years ago. I remember. Here's what God did for me. Here's how I felt then, and God did this for me. Those things, we store them in our hearts. But then as I began to think about that there might be a better way. Not, not in terms of God, but when I was remembering my dad talking to me about things, I remember one specific time when I went to, uh, he was teaching me how to put the line in the reel and you have to do it with a certain amount of tension or it'll jack up on you and get all in there and you got your scissors. And if you haven't been fishing with an automatic reel, then you don't understand what I'm telling you when you have to flip the thing right and then do it, right? And so daddy kept saying, Hey, you need a little tension on the line, tension on the line, make sure it's straight. It kept nodding up, nodding up, nodding up. And then finally I got it, and I was so excited to have it, I remember standing in the back of the truck in the driveway, and I wanted to cast it because I was so happy that it finally coiled up. And I went, and Danny said, don't do that now. Something's going to get hurt. You can better wait till you get down the road. So I did it all again real patient. And, of course, me being the studious listener that I am said, huh, do it again. And as I went to go, it coiled and locked because I hadn't had the tension on it. And the, the uh, hook went whoop, right here on my forehead. All right. I still have a little divot right here from where that happened. And I remember when daddy came out that he said, I could tell he was trying to be patient with me because at the same time I had had the epiphany that casting was fun, I also realized the danger of the thing on the other end that I really wasn't concerned about at all. And, uh, and he was very patient in trying to get it out while I was, ah, I'm freaking out, I'm maybe seven or eight years old, right? But he said something that I'll never forget. He goes, Angela, there might be a better way. <laughs> he was trying his best to hold in his irritation with me because I had not followed directions, not done what he wanted to do. But as I was putting this together this week, I remember thinking, okay, in that assertion that there might be a better way, that means that 
as we are learning to use tools and, and as things are happening, sometimes we get so caught up in what we're trying to accomplish that we forget the way to do it. We're so busy trying to get from A to B, we forget that there may be a process to get there. I was so happy to cast the line that I didn't wait for the water, I didn't wait for the fish, I wasn't willing to, to listen, I just wanted to get on with it. Do any of us ever feel that way? We just want to get on with it. We don't have the patience for the process. So in the research that, that maybe there are other people who've made a mistake in the it's a, there's a better way category. You ready? Okay, beautiful bean footage. All right, I thought this was funny. There was an ad campaign called There Might Be a Better Way. So when you're cutting your birthday cake with a handsaw, it makes quite a mess. There is, if you're hanging your pictures with a mallet, all right? There might be a better way, but we've all hammered a nail with something other than a hammer. Will we admit that? All right? Okay. So, but, but there was a, a better way. There has got to be a better way. All right? I don't know who this is. I don't know what he's doing. I have to hope it's staged because he's smiling because I certainly would not be. All right? There has to be a better way. What do you think? That's about a thousand hand pumps. There has to be a better way, all right? If anybody comes over and says, I'm going to help you, here, hold on a second, let me use your back, run, because this is probably not the brightest of ideas, right? There has to be a better way. All right, fellas, help me with this. Is there a better way? Because that looks ridiculous, all right? So that's his whole, what do you call that thing? All right, his drill press. Should it be sideways? All right, and so all of that just so he can use the chair to hold his piece of wood. Wow. Okay, fellas, you got some people out there who need some ministry. All right, there's got to be. I feel his pain, you know, when you're doing leaf season and you just want to suck him up and get him out of the yard. But this is, this is excessive. There has to be a better way. I bet if you ask his wife, he doesn't do that in the house. All right, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Now, when I've traveled, oh, I've been all over the world, third world places and stuff like that. Y'all have heard those stories. This is commonplace to see. This isn't somebody just making up a photo. This is ingenuity in third world places. And meanwhile, you're like, you know, the cars are passing real close by. You, in my mind, I've already gone to the guy flattened under the truck image. But they're like, oh, no, 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 do it all the time. No problem, no problem. Wow. But... We know there is a better way. But see, this is all about getting it done. You ever been in the get her done mode and you didn't care about how you got it done? You just wanted to get her done? Now, he might get whatever it is under there that's that important fixed. But if that stick falls out, there's a whole new level of get her done that's going to come across this particular incident. I'll let that soak in a minute. There has to be a better way. I saw, I saw this kind of stuff in the Philippines. I, got out, I was in a hotel in Manila one time, and it was about the 23rd floor. And I opened the windows and looked out, and the buildings were real, real close. And right across from me was a guy in his shorts and flip-flops on bamboo scaffolding on the 21st floor. No rope, no nothing. He's throwing spackle, picking bricks, doing his thing. All in flip-flops, all in scaffolding, no safety harnesses. 
That's that get her done. They don't have a whole lot of tools to work with, but they're going to have progress. They get her done. This guy, I don't know if you can see it, he basically built a ladder out of two-by-fours that could reach the light pole. I can hear the conversation now. Well, we're probably only going to have to change this light, I don't know, once a year. We don't need to buy the ladder. But there has to be a better way. So knowing the right tool for the job, again, coming back to never forget the things I've taught you. How many lessons have you learned along the way in your life that you're trying to pass along to your children that are lessons that happened like, uh, don't put your fingers too close to the car door, you'll get your finger slammed in it. And we've lived it, right? We, we know. You know, it's, kind of, it's funny. I always laugh when I go to these drone presentations and, and I go and talk about filming and cameras and all this stuff. And, and then there'll always be the safety guy that comes from the military, right? And he's going in there and says, look, you know, I've been to Afghanistan, I've been this and that. I'm telling you, safety is important. And when he holds up his hand, you're like, oh! <laughs> uh, he's, 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 in, he's invested. He is fully invested in the safety conversation because there are digits missing and it happens somehow. And they'll always laugh and say, you know, never stop the, the propellers with your feet. You'll only get to do that twice. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so things that I have not thought about. But there are lessons learned that now this guy didn't have to look in a book and read them to me. He lived it. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth was speaking. Hey, I'm trying to warn you so you don't go in the same places. The one who gets wisdom loves life. And the one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. That's in Proverbs. I've got this image up here of somebody kind of blowing off the Bible. Look, everybody's interested in, in the, everything from lottery tickets to get rich quick to whatever the latest investment is. But there is a guarantee in the scripture that says you will soon prosper if you cherish the wisdom that the scripture provides. How many of us have gotten to that point where we understand that if we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added unto you. We get caught up in the added unto you, then we have time to seek the kingdom. We've got to flip it on its head. Somewhere in there, we have to have learned that message, that if we, if we seek wisdom from God, if we take a minute for God, that he will then give us the wisdom that we need to actually prosper. That's one of those things that goes down in your heart because it is contrary to the people that were building the ladders on the back of the truck. It wasn't seeking wisdom at that point. It was getting it done. The, the get her done concept. Got to hurry up. Let me get it finished. Whatever it takes, get it out. I'll check it off the list. But there wasn't a whole lot of wisdom involved in most of the pictures that I showed you. Would you agree? But the world is full of great ideas. They want to tell you ways to seek things other than God. They want to tell you this is the easier way to do it. This is what you need to do next. This is what needs to go first. Every time I go to one of those seminars or teachings, there's somebody telling you, oh, well, uh, <clears throat> let me give you another tool for your toolbox. And it's the proverbial toolbox, you know, the one in the back of your head that says that somehow you can meditate your way out of the, the, the depression in your heart or somehow you can... Forget about all the things that are going on if you just eat this or do that or take this. Or I don't know about the beat thing on TV. It might really work. But if it gives you that much energy, hallelujah. But they all want to sell you something and get you all conjured up over the, hey, here's the new shiny thing. In my house, we'll call it squirrel. 
It's that thing that all of a sudden detracts you from what you know in your heart to be true and sends you off on a tangent. And often we get set in our ways. We have an idea. This is what I need to do. This is what I feel like I have to get done. And we really don't want to hear any other suggestions. We don't want to hear anybody tell us there's an easier way. We don't want to hear anybody tell us that putting two by fours on the back of a truck and make it a 50-foot ladder is a bad idea. We don't want to hear it. We're committed to the process. We don't want to hear it. We're on, we're on the way. We have, a, we have a path and a process. In the past few weeks, a lot of the camera systems and stuff, we have to develop and create prototypes for them. And so I'm forever, I can think of it, but the actual, hey, we need to build a structure that, that does this, that, this, 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 and that, right? So I'm constantly, in my head, the architecture of it is there, but the skill to actually build it is not here. I can do all this, but I can't, that's not my thing, all right? So we're, I think we're all pretty clear on that. I'm kind of girly girl in the tool department. So <clears throat> I had this thing that I need to make, and it's just a small tube, and you guys are like, oh, that's just a piece of PVC pipe. I bet you can tell me what diameter that is, somebody. Little teeny. Did you see what I'm saying? It's, it's man talk. It's a pipe, okay? It's a piece of plastic. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> so you see the communication challenge that we have, right? So at work, I'm like, I need a piece of PVC pipe. It needs to be skinny, not heavy. Girl lifting it. Got it, guys? I don't need two-by-fours. I don't need cinder blocks. I need light and lifty, okay? I'm a girl. So I'm, I keep the priorities straight, right? Well, meanwhile, I'm getting frustrated, so I'm trying to figure out how can I make what I need? <clears throat> I brought Andrew with me today. Hold on just a second, because I know you're enjoying this part of the process. So he comes in, and I'm doing something the equivalent of this, right? Wrong tool for this process. But I'm frustrated, because I'm like, well, look, I just know what I need. I need to get it done. Hey, do you have a file? I'm going to need a file. He's like, and he's going, Angela, what are you talking about? What do you need a file for? I said, well, when it's cut, it's going to be kind of janky. I need to make sure it's smooth. You got a file. He's like, Angela, what are you trying to do? Look. I just need to get this cut because I need to, look, I don't want to hear it. I got stuff going on. And he's, Angela, I can help you. I said, yeah, 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 go get done the other 12 things I told you to do. All right, so do you see what I'm saying? All the, you're in the zone. You're in the zone. You got the answer. You got it figured out. You know what you need to do. Then finally, he comes in. Feel free to come in here. As Angela said, look, Angela, how long do you need it to be? I said, about three inches. And he said, okay, how about this? Did you enjoy that? Okay. <laughs> this right here keeps you from receiving sometimes the answers that God is trying to give you. We are closed off. We've got it figured out. We know what we're going to do. Two and two is four. I don't want to hear about your one and one and one and one. Even though the one you have is like butter, I've, I've got a process. I've got a plan in my head. We have got to step out of that so that we can receive because, you know, what's really funny is I'm sitting there on my desk praying, God, give me the wisdom to know how to do this. i got to get this done. i got a deadline. i got to go. It's sitting right next to me, and I'm telling him to hush. He had the tool. He goes, Angela, it's in the truck. I said, what do you need? It's just this little tool. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I've worked with guys long enough to know that tools mean, all right, there's all this stuff that's going to come rolling in. He said, Angela, just chill out. So he comes in, and you saw what happened five seconds later. Well, after I said thank you, I said, get out. Because <laughs> <All right. laughs> there is that, that, 
that part of you that, that says, oh my gosh, thank goodness. And then all of a sudden your pride is pinched a little bit because you wouldn't listen. And then, of course, they are enjoying it so much that you're like, look, save yourself. Okay, you need to go now. Why didn't you say this an hour ago? Well, you wouldn't listen. Don't, out, 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 out. You see, that's where we, that's where we get. That's where we get. Their solution could be right there, but we're so stuck in how we're going to do it that we miss it. So I could have spent another three days. That's as far as I got. Okay, that's 45 minutes of hard work right there. Three seconds, right? So we often choose the struggle instead of the right tool. Anybody relate to that? You don't realize that you're doing it because the struggle is familiar. You would rather go with what you know than risk it maybe being a solution or an answer or easier because it's unfamiliar. It's unfamiliar. Do you do this? I do. Do you find yourself choosing the struggle instead of the right tool? Do you ever have yourself doing something? It's like when you're weed whacking and the, the extension cord is too short. Right? So you keep... And all you'd have to do is go get the 100 foot out of the shed, but that's 15 feet around the corner of the house. I don't feel like it. And then the next day, we'll say, oh, my gosh, my back hurts, my arm hurts. Woo, I can't make it. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's the yard work's tearing me up. No, stupidity's tearing you up. Get the cord. We, We would rather struggle than put the extra effort into the right tool. Who knew? little snippy thing could have really made my life easier, and it did. And in 15 minutes, he had janked all the little pieces that I need, and they were all smooth, and everything was good. Who knew? I had prepared myself for a battle. Me and these guys right here were going to take it on, right? Wrong tool for the job. But it's the tool I'm familiar with. It's the tool that does not scare me. It doesn't make me go, what in the world do you use this for? Right? So there are tools that exist that I have no knowledge that they exist or any reason to use them. But because my knowledge is limited, I never even considered there was a pipe squishing thing, which I'm sure has a name. Right? Right? So do you see what I'm saying? But I didn't know. I didn't know. Do you know all that's promised to you? Do you know? Have you filled yourself up to be able to have an abundance in your heart to know in each situation? Do you know enough to ask when you don't know? Do you know how to seek? Do you know how to accept? Or are you like this? Because we pray and ask, God, help me, and then help arrives. It's that old joke we've told a hundred times. The water's coming up. The guy's on the roof. God, save me. And a little boat goes by. Hey, man, come on, hop in. No, I'm waiting for God. The tide rises again. The helicopter comes by. The helicopter got off the roof. No, I'm waiting for God. The tide rises and the guy drowns, gets to heaven. And God's like, for real? And he said, well, I prayed for you to save me. He said, I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. But it wasn't what he wanted. He wanted somehow the angels of heaven to reach down. But that angel was in a helicopter. The angel was in a boat. The angels are sitting right here. The angel, which at the time didn't seem like one, is sitting right there that brought me the little squeezy thing. 
but I had to be in a place where I could receive it. Listen to the advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. His five minutes of helping me with that squeezy thing, which has a name, I'm sure. What's it called? Pipe cutter or something? All right. Whatever it is, squeezy thing. All right. Is now here. I will never struggle with this again. I now know that there is a tool. I'm not certain of its name, but there's a tool <laughs> that will cut this with no problem. I will no longer linger here fussing and fixing and conjuring and trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. I will no longer have to waste another five minutes of my life ever cutting a PVC pipe because I know that a tool exists that can help me. See, that's what happens when good things happen, you learn stuff. When bad things happen, you learn stuff. It all gets packed in, and then that's where sometimes your wisdom is, hey, don't kick the hornet's nest, they're going to chase you. I remember I learned a really uh, tidy piece of wisdom I shared with Nicholas. I was a kid, and Daddy was cutting the grass. And the trailer, at the end of the trailer, was a round circle on the... It, the ball and hitch and all that stuff had been taken out. It was just an empty core at the end of the trailer. And there was nothing on it. And he was mowing, and I went over, and I went like this and picked it up to hold it for him. And as I lifted it, the wasp's nest inside of there erupted, and they all stung me right here within a foot of this. Now, every time I see Nicholas picking up something with Hall, I'll say, hey, let me tell you this story. Because it's something you don't want others to experience. And you, you, it's not, a, it's not a, a knowledge that becomes malicious. You don't think to yourself, hey, well, I know what's going to happen. Let me see you go through it. That's not the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to take good and bad, gain some wisdom from it, learn what we should have done, could have done, or wish we'd done. And then as we live our lives, as we move forward, we are able to share that in a gracious way for others to receive and not step in the same hole. Now, if I see somebody ever struggling with this, I'll say, hey, there's this thing, right? I have some knowledge to share. I have an experience of success. I have a, a, a message that I can say, some, this guy helped me, and this is what it can do. Now, this is insignificant in the scheme of life, but that, at that moment, it was important. But that's how it works when you gain wisdom. Because now it's not yours to covet, it's yours to share. The Apostle Paul described the equipment we need. He said, all scripture is God-breathed. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may thoroughly be equipped for every good work. Do you get what it's saying here? That the scripture, as you read it, is both telling you what you should do, what you could have done, what you shouldn't do again, but all for one purpose, equipping you. It's preparation. I have read scriptures that I have read all my life, and they didn't leap off the page until something happened, and now it made more sense to me. Or as I became a chaplain, I had always read the 23rd Psalm, but it wasn't until I started getting the calls to do funerals of my family. That's a hard call. 
and you go to do the funeral, and all of a sudden I read that psalm in preparation for a funeral up in Charlottesville, and it leaps off the page. I walked through the valley and shadow of death. Through became an enormous word. You don't linger. You're through. You go on to the next place. God takes you. You go. But that word didn't leap off the page when I was 17. It didn't leap off the page when I was 30. It didn't leap off the page until I needed it. And then all of a sudden there was that leaping in your spirit that says, Wow, God's word is speaking to me every day in a new way because I am changing. His word is ever-present and always the same. I am changing. Life is changing. Situations are changing. People are changing. Needs are changing. But God's word is the same. But the way in which I can hear it has been altered. Isn't that funny? When you don't need anything, you glaze right over it. But when you do, it changes things. Psalm 119 confirms an important principle. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and the light unto the path. His lamp lights the path in front of us, one step at a time. The lamp symbolizes God's word, which is crucial to finding God's will. We cannot hope to find it apart from his word. If we want to hear his voice and know his will, we've got to rely on God's word. All that to say, if you want to hear God clearly, read his word. You will begin to recognize his voice. Have you ever had someone call you on the phone and you knew who it was before they identified themselves. You didn't have to look at the caller ID. You just knew. There is a cadence and a sound in their voice, and you know immediately who that is. The only way that you knew who it was was you have spent time with them. You have heard their voice. They have spoken to you. They have laughed with you. They have cried with you, perhaps. Whatever. But you knew their voice distinctly because you have a relationship with them that's the way God is you have to spend time with him in order to recognize his voice you know I spent some time with someone this week who said you know I was hearing things telling me to do all this stuff as I was a, a, a kid unfortunately and he said and I said well what is the voice telling you to do and as he's describing the horrible things the voice is telling him to do he's a Christian and I said is that is that how God would talk to you? He said, no, 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 no. He somehow knew that that was not the character and nature of God speaking to him. He knew it was evil. It was not good. Do you know the character and nature of God? Do you know his word well enough to know that when something says the battlefield of the mind, we've all heard that it's used as a title in a book, but it's real. Do you know when something crosses your mind, whether it's God-inspired or other? The only way to know is if you are recognizing his voice, can know his will because you know his word. The entrance and the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives us understanding and discernment and comprehension to the simple. I'm glad I'm included in there. The simple are those who still need, are still in need of the spiritual guidance to keep them from being led astray. And I'm going to be honest with you, that includes all of us. There's all sorts of ways to get the center of that nut. All right? I don't care if you use the hammer or anything else represented there or your foot. There's a way to the center that's unique for each one of us. 
It says that he's made his word so that, that simple can comprehend it. He's not being insulting. He's saying, spend time with me. It will become clear. I want to know you just as much as you want to know me. I will make it clear to you. I've heard people say, oh, I, get, I can't do it. I get in the, the Pentateuch, you know, that first four books of the Bible, and it's 12 chapters of who is related to whoever. And I don't know. I just can't get beyond that. Well, I'm going to tell you, go flip the Psalms and then flip the Proverbs and start right there in the middle and begin to understand God's voice and his reasoning and what he wants for you. And then all of a sudden, those stories pre-Jesus begin to make a lot more sense because you begin to see God making a way. When our hearts are tuned to the word, our minds are filled with the word. And we are best equipped to recognize God's guidance. Have you ever wanted to hammer a screw? Twist a nail? I have used this to hammer a nail. (laughs) When you can't find what you're looking for. But this is the way, this is kind of an analogy of how we live our lives. We, do, we make do with the tools we've got, and we don't pick up the ones that are available to us. We don't want to spend the time to maybe make life easier, make life better, make life different. Heaven forbid we spend 15 minutes in Proverbs and understand God wants to guide you, and then we take five seconds to go, God, please help me, and then we receive for a moment his provision of some crazy guy walking in with a thingamajig to help us not be here. But we settle. Have you settled? God has so much more for you than that. Have you settled? Far more than you can ask or think he will provide for you. That's a promise. Have you settled? Are you, are you happy hammering all the screws in the house? I mean, we've all done it where you hang in a picture and you can't find something. The next thing you know, you're picking up whatever you can find. Just to... yep. Now I've done it. <laughs> all right, buddy. I might have to buy you some equipment. Here, here, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is, but that might help. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it might help with something. All right. All right. Operator error. There we go. All right. So now, here we go. Speaking of anointing, here we go. It works like this. (laughs) Uh, As we learn more of the word, we grow to think as God thinks. And we hear and see the things from his perspective. Imagine that. Changes the way we look at stuff. Our attitudes and our opinions and our goals and our ideas and our values all become more like his. When we face major decisions, we are able to evaluate them with the mind of Christ rather than with our own selfish ambition. You know that whole thing we put on wristbands and everything else? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus act? All those questions that are ethereal, printed, it becomes a reality. In many instances, we will automatically know what God wants us to do, and we're doing what he desires in his will, and that becomes a daily lifestyle and a normal habit and a pattern in our lives. All of a sudden, we begin to operate differently. That still small voice that gives you the direction of what to do begins to change. We begin to hear him. We begin to consult with him very quickly to know, yes, no, maybe, should I do that? No, I shouldn't. We avoid it. 
It's really interesting. Sometimes there's really obvious things that are obvious no's to everyone around us, and we're like, let me pray about it. It's kind of like walking out in the street, never looking left or right on a busy road. We take our chances. But that's not what this is about. This is telling us that if we, if we will tune our hearts to him, if we will listen, then all of a sudden our habits begin to change. The way we live our lives, the things we think and feel begin to change. There is a, a God moment where, where the anointing that's in our life to hear his word is happening. And then there's that the capability, whatever gift and ability God has given you. Some of you, it's, it's with some of these things, and some of you, it's a, I know there's some folks here that, that can use a mean spatula and make some great dinners and lunches. and Whatever the tool, it does not matter. And it could be empathy or kindness. Your tool could simply be sending a text to someone when they need to hear it. It could be all sorts of things. You never know. God will speak specifically to you about your capability. Then he'll guide you to the tool, and you'll know you're in the right sweet spot when it meets a need. And it meets a need. He could have been arrogant and said, I'm not going to show her how to do it. Let her struggle through it. Serves her right. She won't receive what I'm offering. Heart was in a better place. Let me help overcame my inability to receive. That's where we need to get. Know the right tool for the job, the five tools that should be easy to find in your toolbox. All right? I'm trying to get you to lunch quick, but here we go. You got to have love in your toolbox. Three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Do you have that quickly in your toolbox? Is that on the top? Is that where you go first when things aren't going right? Forgiveness. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, then your Father will not forgive your sins can't walk around with grudges folks is forgiveness in the top of your toolbox the minute somebody does something that hurts you breaks your heart otherwise leaves you devastated begin to pray god bless them it says the prayer of blessing is like heaping coals of condemnation on their head now i'm not saying pray it because you're going get them god you're praying it because you genuinely want god to have his way in their lives because then their lives will change and your heart will be unfettered faithfulness Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Faithfulness is when, have you ever said to yourself, wow, I have a faithful friend. What does faithful mean? It means when the party's over and somebody's got to clean up, they hang around to do it. When I never fails, when I got a boat, I found out I had a lot of friends, but none of them were too faithful because the minute I pulled in the dock and I had to start cleaning the thing, they were in the car and gone. I hope I'm not hurting any feelings, but you get what I'm saying. You start to identify that there are some characteristics of faithful. Faithful shows up in the middle of the night. Faithful hears you when you call. Faithful is interested in what's going on with you, not just in what you can do for them. That's faithful. God is faithful to you. He is all those things. He is with you everywhere you go. And it helps you to persevere in that relationship. To say, you know, I'm going to press on. I'm not going to rebuke you one day and love you the next. Because I know you care for me always. Faithful. Commitment. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. 
Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're, you're on the road, <clears throat> when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. That commitment, in other words, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is speaking. That constant attitude of prayer that we hear about in the Bible is going on constantly. You, out of your mouth, are coming things that guide others to Him. At night, when we end our day, we guide and look to Him. The day may have not been perfect. We, have, we are still remaining faithful. We are persevering. But we are committed. Is commitment an easy grab in your toolbox? Do you drop God like a hot rock when things are not going your way? Because sometimes your way may not be the best way. I know these things. And honesty. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This isn't about, it says, confess your sins one to another. This is about you being honest with God. I am struggling here. I need your help there. I'm having difficulties here and there. And God giving you the tools that allow you to not only persevere, but to thrive. So God has told us he wants us to have far more than we could ask or think. And when we hit our needs in that moment where we're being totally honest and we're persevering, it isn't often pretty. We're not thinking of far more than we could ask or think. We're thinking of endurance. We're thinking of making it through this moment. We're asking God, please help me make it through today or this hour or this minute or this meeting, whatever it is. We don't have a a long-range plan of thought when we pray sometimes because we're trying to persevere. But God says, be honest with me. Tell me. If you've got doubt, tell me, I'll help you. If you've got fear, tell me, I'll help you. If you've got uncertainty, tell me, I'll help you. I already know, I'm just waiting for you to ask me to help. He already knew how to fix it, but he was waiting for me to ask. <clears throat> I read this this week, and I thought it was funny, and it's appropriate. A Christian's toolbox also needs some spiritual WD-40 to make things, well, run right. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all of God's people. See, that WD-40, it doesn't really come in a can, but prayer and supplication does indeed make things run better. 